Welcome to Alumni Voices, a podcast series from Oxford University. I'm Paul Hammond-Davies and every month I speak to a former student about their days at Oxford and the impact of their studies upon their career. For this episode, I'm joined by Paul Hobson, Director of Modern Art Oxford. Paul read Modern History at Oxford University and completed postgraduate studies in Aesthetics and Contemporary Visual Theory. Since then, he has worked for more than 20 years in the art world in senior roles for the Contemporary Art Society, the Showroom, the Serpentine Gallery and Royal Academy of Arts in London. He has been Director of Modern Art Oxford since 2013. Paul Hobson, thank you for agreeing to this interview. As an undergraduate at Oxford, you studied modern history. What are your memories of being a student here? Well, I had a really fantastic time. I, I've got really sort of fond memories of my college, Brazenose College. Certainly when I was approached for this job, it was that kind of feeling that enabled me to feel that I wanted to come back to Oxford and work here in the city. And since then, I've been reconnecting with the university in lots of ways in this job, which I've really enjoyed. And I think if I'd not particularly had a, a nice time here at Oxford, although I, didn't, I don't know anyone that hasn't, if I'm honest, um, I think I probably wouldn't have wanted to come back to the city because that's the overriding mm. experience that, that I had. So it was really very happy, formative time uh, for me and it's been influential in my career and of course bringing me back here to Oxford. And aside from studying here, what else did you enjoy at Oxford? Well I was quite involved in uh, in the creative life of the college, I was involved in some um, amateur dramatics and, and some of the visual, some visual arts but I was generally quite creative but I don't really remember do, doing anything I mean, now relative to my career where I'm always producing things, it, it felt very low spec kind of creativity. Mm-hmm. But, but certainly in, in, at Brazenose, there were lots of different groups you, you could be involved with. There were journalist groups and debating societies and, of course, dramatic societies. And there were some visual arts um, groups as well. I, I can't claim to be very active. You know, I was very immersed in my social life and my mm. studies, I think. And you mentioned that you studied modern history. What led you into a career in the arts after your degree? Well, I had thought about applying for... I read English and um, economics and history and fine art and general studies Mm. when I was doing A-levels. And I could have gone in a variety of different uh, directions. I had thought about applying for fine art to the Ruskin, but I, I think I was sort of steered by my parents to do something that was a slightly more secure degree, uh, which is probably quite wise of them. Uh, not that I would want to discourage anyone from doing a fine art uh, degree, especially at the moment, since numbers are falling away uh, very sadly. It just seemed to be a much more—it seemed to be a more sensible thing uh, to do that had greater uh, potential around it for someone who didn't really know where their career was going to take them. Mm. I mean, I was interested in the humanities and the arts, but I didn't know quite to what di- what direction that would. Go, go in and it probably was quite good parental advice to a 17 year old uh, when I was thinking about what, what course uh, I might do. I did think about switching to English in my uh, first year so I was very undecided I think mm. you know it's easy retrospectively to look at one's career and it all s- seems to line up but the, the, the reality of it actually wasn't like that at all. So. And the, the gallery sector as a whole is it's quite difficult to get into when you're just out of university. What was your initial break into that world? Well, I did a postgraduate um, degree in, um, like a master's degree in arts management and policy because I knew that I wanted to work in the arts. But, mm. you know, I came from, you know, I, I was brought up in Worcestershire um, away from a sense really of, of a career in the arts. 
Uh, my parents both worked in the health service um, as consultants. And I didn't, I didn't really, although I knew that you could sort of be involved in the arts, I didn't know the breadth of careers that were available in the arts until I moved to London. And I knew I wanted to move to London really quite quickly after university. And it was there that I realised there were all these different careers, but I needed to do some postgraduate degree that would convert me or give some direction, some vocational focus to my very usefully broad history uh, degree that I did here at Oxford. And so I did a Master's in Arts Management and Policy. Um, and then I subsequently did another, an MA in Aesthetics and Contemporary Visual Theory. I got a job working at the South Bank Centre as a researcher and it sort of started there and I mm. think it was easier. Although it's always competitive, it was probably easier to get into, get a, a foothold. Um, and of course having a good degree and, a, and then an MA in something focused helped a lot. Well you've had senior roles at the Contemporary Arts Society, the Showroom, the Serpentine Gallery and the Royal Academy of Arts. And, and now you're at Modern Art Oxford. Two questions really, why did you come back to the city after such a long career in London? And then how does Modern Art Oxford compare to those institutions? Well, I, when I was approached for the, the job, I suppose a number of things. First of all, the gallery, uh, Modern Art Oxford has, in the art world, has a very high reputation. It's one of the, the best contemporary art galleries in the UK. It has an international profile. It's oddly not so well known in the city, which we've been doing some work on, but I was very aware of the profile and the reputation of the gallery. I was aware that it was coming to its 50th anniversary. I was aware that it was thinking about um, its future in, this, in the building that mm -hmm. the gallery is occupied for 50 years. Um, so there were some key projects to kind of be excited about. And I was, of course, very flattered to have been approached for the job. So there was that, but also there was my relationship with the city. Mm. It was a city, one of the cities outside of London that I felt I had a relationship with. And Oxford, of course, is a world-renowned centre for learning and ideas. And if you're working in, in the contemporary visual arts like I am, that context is incredibly exciting and rich because mm. and it attracts artists here, it always has done. It means that the audiences that we work with are, are able to connect into ideas in a way that amplifies what we do. These are things I now know, but that I sensed, I think, about having worked, you know, this is my fourth directorship, having worked in a variety of different mm. uh, contexts. It wasn't, it wasn't a difficult decision. And you've mentioned the, the reputation of, of this gallery, but do you think there are challenges for a smaller gallery when it's competing the landscape of Tate Modern and White Cube and, and those other, that, that they have a stronger brand reputation? I mean, they, that's also something that I was interested in, in having experience of because my career has been mostly in London for 20 years. And although London's a pressure cooker and you have to operate at a, at a very high level all the time, because there's such a lot of cultural activity and provision and competition, frankly, that keeps you very sharp, and, and that's a great thing. Outside of London, it's really a very different scenario. It's, I mean, funding's a big issue for most arts mm -hmm. organisations, and it's not, there isn't such a, an established pattern of, of philanthropy that you can draw on. You might have, not have the same level of corporate support or sponsorship. Getting press coverage for anything that's happening outside of London is really challenging, mm. although we do better than most here in Oxford and so that then connects on to just generally getting sponsorships and, and partnerships that are looking for that, that opportunity to be visible. Um, so there are all of those challenges but it's very good, it's like all challenging experiences, it's a very good experience mm. um, to have and actually our proximity to London does allow us to 
connect to London in a way that if we were in Manchester or Birmingham even wouldn't be so so easy and the internationalism of the city does dilute a sense of being of, of this kind of slightly problematic idea of the regional mm-hmm. if you're a contemporary arts organization and you're celebrating your 50th anniversary as, as a gallery since you were established what is your vision for its future well, we've had an amazing year because we've been bringing back all of these extraordinary artists that have, have presented works here at the gallery and we've been showing them alongside a whole programme of new commissions. So it's been a year that's that's enabled me to really be very aware of, of what an amazing history uh, we've had. And we've got to ensure that the gallery's future continues to be at that level and I'm completely confident of that. But what we have to do is do programme of work in this building because the building you know, has not had work done it for decades and mm. it's really... Um, start bits of it are starting to fail so the overriding priority for us at the moment is to in order to ensure that we can continue to have this vital and really ambitious future is to sort out some problems with the building and they're everything from dull things not quite visionary things like sorting out the boiler and rewiring <laughs> bits of the building and uh, repointing our tower mm-hmm. um, here to improving the environmental conditions in the gallery and things mm-hmm. like this so it's quite a bit of DIY it's a bit of a DIY vision mm-hmm. um, but uh, and, of, and of course you know we are lots of organisations are facing the challenges of being in like in, in quite a lean you know financial climate mm-hmm. um, so just th- that presents issues for for the gallery that need to be addressed as well so my my vision really is about ensuring the vital sustainability of the gallery and its its ambition you know for the coming years because the program is always frankly fantastic mm-hmm. and um, that I don't see that changing at all but the container has become less fantastic and it's interesting because the gallery is physically situated in what is quite a major urban overhaul in this area of Oxford. The Westgate Centre is currently being demolished and there is plans for a new uh, shopping centre to be built around here. So how do you think that that will affect the gallery? Well, this reorientation, I think, of the retail offer of the city is, is significant. And I think the Westgate development is really exciting. I think it's great. I think it's going to attract... Uh, many more people into Oxford and also our proximity just right literally right next door although mm-hmm. it's feeling slightly like a, it's very much like a building site at the moment and we are affected by those things um, mm. you know our audience figures drop and then they rise and then they drop according to these things if there's roadworks around Oxford they mm-hmm. drop if people are having problems getting in to the city you know all of these things do affect um, the, the footfall of the gallery so inevitably I hope that when the new Westgate opens and it attracts so many more people and we are directly on that route and people will um, will pop in because we're we're in a kind of slightly invisible bit of the city tucked mm. away uh, when I first started, much to my indignation, people would refer to the gallery as the gallery behind Marks and Spencers, um, <laughs> which didn't quite um, equate to my estimation of the gallery as this mm. major international art venue. Our location is, is not, not the best, and it will benefit from having this fantastic retail offer right next door. One of the biggest challenges, I think, uh, across all contemporary art is accessibility to the public and, and making contemporary art accessible and, and making the public understand what it's actually about. Uh, how do you think Modern Art Oxford achieves this? Well, it's something that we can always improve. Uh, people find contemporary art you know, quite perplexing and uh, they don't understand it. What I always just want to say to people is that it is perplexing and it is um, difficult to understand and that's not because you're not getting it it's mm. because it's not it's not like advertising it's not like entertainment i mean we're, we've never been more visually literate but we're surrounded by things that are trying to get our, our attention visually and they're designed to communicate immediately but art is it operates in very different ways and usually 
um, because it's really a form of visual research into contemporary conditions. That's what contemporary art is. Mm. It's quite complex and it, it will leave you with more questions than answers. But the problem is that people then feel like they don't get it. Then they start to feel like maybe they're a bit dim and then they start to get antagonised and they say it's a load of rubbish. That's usually what happens. Rather than thinking that the questions that they have are really the work talking to them and generating that response is actually exactly what the work's aiming to do, mm. that people feel like they want something more straightforward. So that's the first thing to say. We work really hard um, to uh, reach a, a variety of different audiences. We have, um, we're fortunate that we have an audience that, because of the city, relates to ideas. So we tend to talk about ideas as a way to get people to think about as a way into art and that mm. works but of course you know Oxford's got a very culturally diverse economically diverse constituency as well and we need to to work in in quite specialized ways to engage those kinds of audiences um, do we do it well I think we can always do it a lot better and um, one of the interesting things you talked about in the past is about digital artists and the effect of the internet and social media and their impact on how both we view and consume art. How do you see this evolving in the future? Well, I think it's influential in that most arts, first of all, it's the primary culture that is now in the 21st century. So you will often see artists referencing that in their work and people might be a bit confused by why they're doing that but artists have always done that mm. since people picked up you know 16 millimeter cameras or polaroids you know or vhs you know every artist a contemporary artist will always work with the visual technologies of their moment because 20 years from now when we look at uh, that lumpy bit of 3d printing we will say oh god that's so 2016 mm -hmm. you know and so it, it captures its own historical moment mm -hmm. within its material so that so artists of course are looking at digital surfaces and digital media they're bringing them into their their work and we should expect them to do that so it's changing the kind the look of art and the ideas in art and also the way that arts distributed but also um, uh, organizations like modern art oxford are moving like many organizations are much more towards through their digital strategies towards mm. broadcasting so mm. it means that we're also able to achieve apropos of your earlier question this engagement with audiences in a way that takes the program of the gallery far beyond uh, the container our slightly falling apart container um, so it means that there's something very democratic about the access and also the shape of those ideas so it's it's very influential and very generative I think and um, earlier on you mentioned about the Ruskin and you were considering doing a fine art degree from the opposite side now that you're the director of a gallery what role do you think galleries play in terms of supporting the work of young upcoming artists and ensuring that they get some visibility and, and opportunities well galleries are I mean they are the primary uh, route through which that happens mm. Um, of course, they're very different types of galleries. So you've got public institutional galleries like Modern Art Oxford, or you've got commercial galleries like White Cube. You know, mm -hmm. they all they all have a different role to play in promoting artists. Um, but yes, their their primary purpose is 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 to do that. Um, mm. Absolutely. Here at Modern Art Oxford, we have, we've always promoted new and what they call emerging artists, and we've done that consistently and continue to do that. Uh, today so for example at the moment we're showing an, an exhibition called platform which has been going on for some year, several years now which showcases selected fine art graduates from the universities in this region so oxford university or the ruskin mm. brooks reading university and it forms part of a, a southeast regional kind of like showcasing 
And for anyone who might be a current student at Oxford or is a, a sort of prospect thinking about Oxford and might be considering an arts management path in, in terms of their career, do you have any advice as to how they might achieve that? Well, I would want to encourage them, first and foremost, because unfortunately the changes in the education sector around anyone pursuing a career in the arts are, have become diminished. Mm. You know, the arts have a very low status, unfortunately, in the curriculum. And, and of course, the economics around studying a fine art degree mm. with student fees are, make it not viable. So we've seen a big fall off in the number of fine art graduates that are coming through the education system. So mm. that's very depressing because there are probably very many talented people out there that are electing to do something else than to uh, become artists. And that's not good for our culture mm. or for the, the cultural ecology of the, of, the, of the United Kingdom, frankly. So I would encourage anyone to do that. I mean, working in the arts, for me, I'm absolutely doing exactly what I wanted to do. I'm completely fulfilled. It's, I feel really like I'm, I'm like living in my historic moment. Mm. You know, it doesn't pay very well, but it's the most inspirational context in which to work and I can't imagine doing anything else and I think if you're if you have a sense of that and you can have a sense of that even without having a really clear direction when you're an undergrad if you have a sense of that do seek out that creative sector it may not be working in the visual arts it could be working in advertising or in television or broadcast it could be in any of these things but if you are a creative person then I think in my experience I know lots of people that have decided not to to pursue that and they always try to find a way to go back to that unnourished part of themselves, be it later in life. And it's the thing that makes them feel content and fulfilled. I would encourage anyone to, to pursue a career in the arts. Paul Hobson, thank you for sharing your personal story. If you would like to listen to other episodes of Alumni Voices, please visit www.alumni.ox.ac.uk. Mm-hmm.